Hey everyone, welcome back to season two, episode three of Whiskey Queens. This week we're wrapping up our conversation around whiskey tastings and also talking about Redwood Empire's Pipe Dream Bourbon Whiskey. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to check us out at whiskeyqueens.com, at the Whiskey Queens on Instagram, and be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, and here's the show. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? That was a good one. Uh, that was a good one. And I'm doing fabulous. I've been pre-gaming as our listeners request. So I'm doing fab. <laughs> you popped as well. How are I, you doing? I did pop as well. I'm making myself a cocktail as we speak. Mm. Uh, so why are you drinking this week? Why are you asking me? Because <laughs> I ask you every week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and as I say every week, because I like to drink... Uh, for one. And then I believe in episode two, I mentioned that JPI, the organization I worked for, was having a moment of empathy event. Uh, and it was, we had our challenges, but it, overall it went very well. We had some tech challenges, not our tech challenges, but the app tech challenges. Um, and, but it went fantastic. The, the, the second event of the evening was a phenomenal. Um, and so I'm super excited and jazzed and toasting for that. And the other things that I will say and the reason I'm toasting is because I was listening to Hamilton uh, while I was making <laughs> my cocktail earlier and I was like, oh, I fucking love Hamilton so much. Um, you yeah, have to admit, I still haven't watched it. It's because you're trash. I know. And my husband has watched it multiple times and he's often just like- watch, Just I watch know. it with him one time. He'll watch it with you 15 more times. I know. It's like- le Well, let me tell you this though. You should watch it on Disney Plus because I presume that's where you'll watch it. Mm -hmm. And and I'll say, I've seen it in person. And oh, I, that's right. I enjoyed it much better in Disney Plus because you actually can follow things a little better unless you're like super close to the stage. Oh, right? okay. Uh, but also the other reason I say that is because I saw that with uh, a couple of friends of mine. And earlier that week, we saw the color purple at the Kennedy Center, which was fuck nominal and the color purple and hamilton are like two different styles of musicals the color purple is very stripped down no elaborate sets no real elaborate dancing all about vocals yeah. and storytelling and hamilton is more your traditional like when you think of a musical where it's about storytelling about the music but there's also like dance numbers and sequences and that sort of thing uh so it was just an interesting juxtaposition to have them sort of in the same week Okay. Yeah, he'll be very, very happy to hear that when he listens to this week's episode that you um, are co-signing on me watching that with him. I'm sure that's now on my Thanksgiving weekend plans. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So why are you drinking? Uh, so without revealing too much. Really? Why are you drinking? <laughs> I'm, I'm sublimating workplace rage with alcohol. So that's, that's healthy, right? That's what we do these days. Um, that's yeah. what we do most days. Uh, yeah, no, I work in a cluster. So therefore this week, since you're introducing us to a new whiskey, I am actually going with scotch and soda. So I'm just going to sit here and zen myself out with my scotch and soda. Will you tell us about new stuff this week? And so who, who is your scotch? My scotch is monkey shoulder because I always say, I feel like monkey shoulder would be great with soda. And? It's so good. I really, really like it. I only brought up the one can of club soda and I feel like I'm going to have to like stomp on the, the office floor to request a second one from downstairs. 
stomp on the office floor. Mm-hmm. Well, you're deliver so my club soda. Bitch. It's good, though. Yeah. I'm very happy with this. And while you deliver that club soda, ho, you should also <laughs> make a goddamn whiskey wheel here. I know. Um, I thought of a new task for him, too, but then I reassigned it to my own my own cue. So, But I'll, I'll get into that later on when I talk about the book. So chapter. before I get into my whiskey... Mm-hmm. that I'm going to talk about today. I thought that I would give everyone a delightful recap of our whiskey tasting rules uh, that I uh, promulgated. It's, I don't even know if that's the right word, but I'm going to use it uh, last week. And basically uh, part of them come from our delightful book that we're reading something about whiskey. The Complete Whiskey Course by Robin Robinson. <laughs> yes, that, that book. Um, but the rules are as follows. Rule number one. Whiskey is a journey, not a destination. So fucking experiment. One. I almost fucked that up, by the way. Um, Two. Use water with your whiskey however much you want, whenever you want. Two. Is that the right way? Did I say right? I probably don't know. Rule number three, if somebody don't give you shit for using water, they're complete trash. Garbage, human garbage. Exactly. And with that, yay! I'm gonna pour me a little ditty. And this ditty that I am pouring this week and that I'm going to drink and taste and talk about is Redwood Empire Pipe Dream Bourbon Whiskey. I love the label. The, yeah, we'll talk about the label, but the label's phenom. Uh, all labels actually of the Redwood Empire, there's three Redwood Empires that are in the universe, uh, Redwood Empire whiskeys, and they all have amazing labels. So this whiskey uh, that I'm drinking is a California whiskey. Uh, it's 45% ABV, cost me about 40 bucks. So it's a, I think it's a good standard bottle to have in the house. Yeah, I so a good, nice standard. Nice standard. That's a good way to say We haven't really developed our categorization system I yet. know. And I'm sitting here being like, I sound like a bougie bitch. $40 for a bottle, everybody. Um, I keep having that moment where I'm like, I don't want to say this is like a standard bottle because I standard know. to me isn't standard to someone else. And I have this whole conflict in my head. Anyways, continue. <laughs> and this is the challenge of also living in a, in a metropolitan area like the District of Columbia, mm-hmm. where things are just more expensive in general. Yep. Uh, so Redwood Empire, uh, the, it's their, this is their first bourbon whiskey, and it has a high corn mash bill. Uh, it's about 75% corn, 20 per- 21% raw rye, and 4% barley. Uh, the age of this particular whiskey, uh, it's a blend, first of all, let me clarify that. It's okay. a blend of whiskeys that are aged 4 to 12 years uh, in, in, in your barrels, like whiskey is aged. I'm trying to remember what the back of the bottle says. It says, the pipe dream is meticulously crafted from hand-selected barrels aged at least four years. But the website says it's four to 12. Okay. So what the website, because who doesn't use the website, right? Says in terms of the tasting notes, and then I'll get to my own. Uh, The color is a deep golden hue, which I I can agree with that, I think. I don't know what you think but I think so. Um, The nose is sweet maple, vanilla, and hint of honey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
<laughs> we'll get to that. Palette, we'll get to that. Actually, I may give my tasting notes after your discussion today. Okay. Because I've sort of, I did it in line with the lesson. Got it. The palette, uh, according to the, the brand, if you will, is roasted pecan, vanilla, and a lingering char woody notes, smooth with a hint of black pepper finish. This to me screams Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> or not. Sure. I mean, it could. I mean, it could. Uh, I think as I described to you earlier, it's, it's a very, it's very sweet. It's sweet on the front. I shouldn't say very sweet. It's sweet on the front. It's sweet on the nose. Uh, and it has a, a moderate burn that dissipates relatively quickly, right? So I think it's a very, I would say it's a type of whiskey that, a bourbon whiskey that is, how, how shall I say it? Like, I was going to say, oh my God, I was going to say universally acceptable. But who says shit like that? It's a standard uh, bourbon. Yes. I, I, it's... Uh, designed i think to be uh palatable to most okay yeah i don't know what i'm saying don't listen to me so if you are a normal bourbon drinker with kind of average price or average shelf taste you would not be disappointed by this particular whiskey correct okay and i before this show i drank it in a queen's manhattan which it was delicious in so there's that (laughs) uh so we used to drink uh, Redemption bourbon and Redemption rye when I still lived in the city, would you place it at, above, or below the Redemption bourbon? Because that to me is kind of like a standard, oh, I know I like this, and it's good. Oh, man. That's a good question. Going back in the memory banks. I haven't had Redemption in a hot minute. Um, I think it's good. I mean, here's the thing. I, I like this. I, I love the bottle. And I like this and it's, and it's, I would drink it. I'll put it in a cocktail, but I've had the other two varieties as well. Oh, of okay. Redwood Empire over the course of my life. And if memory serves me right, I do enjoy, well, this one is great. As some of you may know, I enjoy a little more complexity. Yeah. You're not a huge fan of, of the sweet. Yes. Nor am I in, actually. In, in my particular drink and so I really I'll have to I'll have to get and try the rye again because you know I do like that spiciness yeah me too uh, that the rye provides and so I do remember having the rye in the past and enjoying it so I'll just leave that there okay so you're asking me aren't you like why is it called pipe dream I am why is it called pipe dream tell me well it's named after a tree Go on. So the, I, I really struggle with the order of presenting this information in because I did a <laughs> lot of research and I'm like, oh, how do you present this? But the entire Redwood Empire brand is each bottle is named after an ancient tree. Okay. Okay. And the pipe dream uh, is a tree that's located in uh, the Patriarch Forest uh, in the hum- Humboldt Redwood State Park in Northern California. It's the world's 14th tallest tree. That's what it's named after. That The tree uh, currently is about 367 feet tall. Holy shit. And it's 1,340 years old. Well, that makes you feel small. 
Yes, girl. It's and also, <laughs> and what's great about these bottles, so similar to Pinhook, right, where Pinhook was named after a particular horse and it talked about a horse on the bottle. Mm-hmm. Each of these uh, three wh- uh, whiskeys that I mentioned under the Redwood Empire brand are all named after an ancient tree and talk about the tree. Oh, cool. On each bottle. Um, so the Pipe Dream is among the fastest growing redwoods ever measured. It's actually comes in at the 21st fastest growing redwood that's ever been measured. Uh, And as it says in the bottle, its majesty and rise to prominence inspires us to reach higher in our pursuit of excellence. I love the shit marketers put on these bottles. Isn't it great? (laughs) It makes my day. It is a phenom. And so now that I've sort of given a little hoo to, as I like to say, hoo-yah, uh, to the whiskey, I want to talk about the brand, right? Because Redwood Empire whiskey was established in 2017. It's named after the Redwood Empire region, uh, which is a region of Northern California that lies basically, be- it lies on the Pacific coast between San Francisco and the Oregon border. And it's named for the dense redwood forests that, that lie in that region, right? So when you think of the redwoods, that's the area of California they're from, okay. is where, one, where this is produced, and then also the homage uh, that the brand provides, right? Okay, and oh, so the, the, brand, the distillery's up there too. Yeah, so the distillery's in Sonoma County, California. Okay. And the entire brand itself is inspired by John Muir. And you're like, who John Muir? Well, was I'm like, who John Muir? <laughs> I know you were. And I was like, girl, please. Uh, so John Muir is known as the father of our national parks. Uh, he, is an, he was an influential naturalist, uh, an early advocate for the preser- preservation of American wilderness, essentially, right? And his philosophy uh, sort of about, you know, championing, championing, cha- championing. I was going to let it go. Championing, and I can't even say the word. Anyway, his philosophy <laughs> was about cha- prov- advocating for, let me use different words, <laughs> uh, for uh, the preservation of wild spaces so that so they should be set aside and people can enjoy them, right? Yep. And he even urged uh, people to write politicians to, uh, and basically, quote unquote, make their lives wretched until they do what is right by the woods. <laughs> make their lives wretched. I like that. So John Muir, he, in, in the course of his life, wrote and published over 300 magazine articles and 12 books about his love of nature, adventure, uh, the wilderness, and sort of the interconnectivity of all of them. And his writings and his adventure sort of captured the, uh, the heart, if you will, for lack of a better word, of President Theodore Roosevelt. And he ended up going camping with John Muir for three days in Yosemite hmm. uh, National Park. And it sort of really inspired Roosevelt to end up setting aside around 230 acres of public lands, which equates to like five national parks, 18 national monuments. So, you know, John Muir's sort of advocacy over these, 
over these years, it's why he's called the father of the national parks, essentially, is because he uh, really sort of helped to establish uh, the idea of preservation. Okay. And he also, among other people, is one of the founders of the Sierra Club. I did not know that. See, kids are getting a history lesson. Total history lesson. And as it says on the bottle, John Muir's philosophy regarding the spiritual union of man and nature inspires our distillery in the heart of the Redwood Empire. My question is, do they ever mention him in Parks and Rec? Uh, you know, I've only made it to season five because they took it off of Amazon. Uh, we'll never know. Um, well, I mean, I've seen the whole thing, but it's been a long time. If but someone can pull me a Leslie Nope quote and tag me in it that mentions this guy, that'll make my week. So I'm you sure. have your homework. I'm sure they probably have. I hope so. So the fun, the other fun fact is you like the label. I do. So each label, uh, there's a few things about the label that I love. Each one has a unique illustration of John Muir and one of his quotes on the bottle. So each oh. one has sort of like a man with nature and it's supposed to be an artistic representation of John Muir. That's the, really neat, I like that. Yeah, and the quote on this bottle is the power of imagination makes us infinite. Hmm. How yeah. fabulous. I love the labels, they, look, they remind me of um, block prints, the labels. Yes. So the other things that you should know is that, as I mentioned before, the details of the ancient tree that the bottle is named after is talked about on the label. Mm -hmm. And it also includes the GPS coordinates, the latitude and and longitude of the tree. That's um, neat. The bottle. How cool is that? I do like that. Maybe if we ever make it out, we can go find the tree. Uh, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I would love to future adventures. So the last thing I will say about the brand okay. is that they have a partnership. They're all about sort of, obviously all about the environment, sustainability and that sort of thing. So they have a partnership with the nonprofit Trees for the Future, uh, which is a nonprofit that's basically been responsible for planting over 189 million trees since 1989. Uh, and for every bottle of Redwood Empire that is sold, a tree is planted. I love that. Giving back to nature. Yes. And as of this recording, there have been 185,343 trees planted. Holy shit. That's a lot of trees. That is a lot of trees. So... Speaking of planting trees, I got a fun gift today from a friend that I'm going to tell people about because I feel like it's the level of bougie that I aspire to. But people think I already am, which is a lie. I'm not. Um, But I got a gift in the mail today and they are Daneson toothpicks and they are whiskey infused toothpicks. So I now have bourbon and single malt toothpicks that taste like whiskey when you chew on them and they're delicious. I don't know who else in their life needs whiskey-infused toothpicks to get them through the day, but um, I highly recommend them. They're really good. I've never personally been a toothpick chewer. Oh, I'm not allowed to have pens with caps. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) That's tragic. Anyway. For every tree that they mill, they plant 100. Well, that's good because they're fucking killing them. They are. Um, They're they're replanting the forest. I know. They're doing great. They're doing fab. So I'm not quite done on my diatribe yet. I apologize, everybody. Keep going. Because I've talked about the bottle. I've talked about the brand. 
What's next? <gasps> the distillery. <laughs> dramatic readings by Paul Adam. <laughs> Is it just my dramatic readings? Um, so the Redwood Empire brand is produced by Grattan Distilling Company, uh, which was established in 2015, and it's based in Grattan, California, a small town in West Sonoma County. Uh, basically, it's the heart of, it's in the heart of the Russian River Valley wine region. Okay. It's founded and owned by Derek uh, Benham. Uh, as part and as part of his purple wine and spirits company and he's have he has like over 30 years of experience uh sort of starting off his career uh in in the the wine industry essentially okay Uh, and then branching out into spirits uh and this particular distillery uh the Grattan distillery located in in Grattan the town of, of Grattan California uh, used to be, it's located on the site that used to be an apple canning and processing plant, which was owned by the Hallberg family, which is a preeminent family during the, 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 the apple production heyday of Sonoma County, I guess. Uh, and they produced a wide variety of apple products, mainly under uh, the label Redwood Empire. Oh, Okay. Yes. And so this distillery actually launched its first sort of spirit uh, called the D. George Benham Sonoma Dry Gin in 2016. As we sort of discussed in previous uh, episodes, a lot of the smaller uh, craft distilleries sort of start out producing a clear liquid, if you will, or clear. Yeah, um, yeah a clear liquor. spirit. A spirit. That's the word. I was like, what's the word spirit? Uh, gin or vodka. So basically they started with a gin and then ended up uh, producing a, a vodka before moving on to the Redwood Empire whiskeys. They have a unique continuous micro column still. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't wait till we talk about stills in the different distillation process, but that's nerdiness for a different day. It was custom designed and built for them by head frame stills of Boot Montana. Uh, it's, it, they use a two-column uh, distillation process. So the other thing that's really interesting, and then I'll be done bo- boring you all to death, uh, is that this particular company, like Grattan Distilling and Purple Wine and Spirits Company and the Redwood Empire are all about sustainability in what they do. So their two-column still allows for them to distill their spirits in a single pass, which preserves both water and energy, mm-hmm. right? That's one. They actually use some of their mash to provide to local farmers for feed for livestock in the area. And they have a water reclamation facility uh, on the premises that works to ensure that only pure water re-enters the water table. Uh, in that area. Oh, so they're like good hippies. I like this. Yes. And Purple Wine and Spirits, the the company is certified sustainable by the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance. Okay. So the Grand Distillery is part of this larger group, right? And this larger group, I think, has two, unless I'm wrong, has like two wineries. That's the word. Yeah. So I thought this was a super fun bottle. Um, 
just because of its homage to John Muir and to nature and to sustainability, I think it's cool. It has a great story. Yeah, and you're going to save your tasting notes, your your personal tasting notes, until after I talk a little bit about designing a, a whiskey tasting. I almost said yes. wine tasting because we've been talking about wineries. Yes. Okay. Um, so you hold on to those then. Um, Maybe they'll become better as the day goes on. <laughs> so I actually wanted to revisit because you talked last week about adding water to whiskey. Mm -hmm. And one of the fun facts, and I don't know that we mentioned this, but in terms of adding water to whiskey, they talked about cask strength bottles mm. and how <laughs> they're actually a really great value because they're usually released at a much higher ABV. So you usually, and maybe not everyone, but most people will typically dilute them down to a degree. Um, this way you're actually getting a lot more whiskey than what you're paying for when it comes to- I think to that's a, what you're supposed to do. That's what you're yeah. supposed to do. Is that what you do? Uh, so do my, my, my dear uh, friend and, oh, what's his title? Um, I provide titles to all my friends. Like I have my dear friend and acclaimed author, Whit Talcott. Mm. And I have my uh, dear friend and award-winning massage therapist, Ben Amon of Amon Massage, uh, was over my house uh, several uh, months or so ago and brought some cask strength whiskey from 1-8 distilling. And bitch made me do shots of it. So you did not dilute it. No. And now that I've read this chapter and I've talked about water and whiskey, I was like, girl, we were supposed to dilute that. Yeah. So you don't have to, but you get a much bigger bang for your buck if you dilute cask strength whiskey, because it's coming out way above 40% ABV. Ooh. Well, so you can it, bring it's it down also a notch. like, it's an experience. Let me just say that. I'm sure it is, especially when you're doing shots of it. Ooh. Shit. Kids, learn from Paul's mistakes. Please. Wait, so now I'm curious, what is my title? I don't know. Oh, we'll figure it out. I will. Okay, I'm gonna give you some time to think about that. So this is actually the last section of the chapter we we're gonna be covering for this part of the season. The next chapter we're going into next week is actually starting our journey into American whiskeys. So we're gonna be wrapping up the whole tasting thing this week. Which I've been talking about American whiskeys for a long time, so get on board. I know, I know. I've been like fiddly fucking around with like scotches and Irish whiskeys until I had to start talking about American ones. So next week we will actually be talking ad nauseum about American whiskeys. Um, but to put a bow on the chapter that we're working through right now, it's just kind of the, it's wrapping everything up. It's kind of taking a tasting and breaking it into its component parts. And then I did a little research on kind of the best way to go about kind of pulling together your own tasting. So really what this leaves us with are the three steps or the three distinct parts of tasting whiskey. So the nose, the taste, and the finish, which we talked about kind of in the beginning of the season, um, but this goes a little bit more in depth as to what that process is as you move through the three stages. So when you're talking about the nose, um, it's really good to have your wheel handy and this way. And I know, I know, I know. What wheel? wheel? I got no wheel. Open your damn book. So have your wheel handy because it'll help you with that your wheel. vocabulary. It's like four million things. <laughs> Reading is fundamental. Um, I can read. First and foremost, when you are smelling something, do you like it or not? That's the initial thing that's going to occur as you're smelling and as you're nosing a whiskey. Um, and then from there, start to categorize it. Go in really large overarching I like sections. It. You do? Mm -hmm. Good. Um, so is it sweet? Is it pungent? Is it vegetal? Like, does it kind of have 
a, a vegetable-esque quality to it, it's sweet. Bourbons, so we're on the right path. Um, and then use really simple descriptors. So start broad, start high level, and then see if you can narrow it down. So for example, it smells like baking spices. Okay, so what baking spices? Can you get down to nutmeg or cinnamon or not quite? Are you still kind of just hovering around that warm, spicy, and you can't well, quite I identify it? I don't have baking spices. Okay, well, this is where your wheel comes in handy. No, so this, uh, sorry, I'm just going to interject as you tell these stories. And Go for you it. Stories. You're telling us stories as you're providing us with an educational lesson. Mm. Um, I'm going to say that what I wrote down here to go with your nose component of your lesson is I like it. Okay. It smells sweet and it reminds me of caramel. Caramel. Okay. Um, so palate, same thing. Have your wheel handy. Uh, the first two remain the same. So first and foremost, do you like it or not when you taste it? And then if you could categorize it, would it be sweet, pungent, vegetal? Kind of where does it stand in those areas? Um, now did anything change? between smelling it and tasting it, did you smell something that you can't taste or are you tasting something you can't smell? Which has happened to me a few times where I can smell kind of citrus, but I don't taste citrus. I taste vanillas and caramels and spices um, and then kind of and vice versa. So did anything change when you started to taste it? Um, does something not show up as you're tasting it? And then what's the texture? Is it light or thin versus heavy or viscous? Is it creamy or oily? Um, is it alcoholic or astringent as you're tasting it? So these are kind of the questions you can drill into as you move from smelling to tasting. Anything you wanna add? I mean, you know I'm over here tasting it, right? And yeah. I'm looking at this godforsaken wheel that's 42 million characters. <laughs> um, as for the palate, that's what we're talking about, right? The palate. We're, we're on the palate. Uh, it definitely has a sweetness at the front. Mm. But to your point, as everyone can probably hear me swallow, which is a delight. A little bit. Um, to your point, though, I don't know, and I don't know that most whiskeys are like this. The smell and the taste don't always align. Yeah. Right? I feel like that's my experience in most whiskeys. Uh, maybe I I'm agree. wrong. No, um, I always smell something that I don't taste and vice versa. It smells, it's, I mean, like I said, it smells very sweet and like caramel, but you taste it and it has a quick sweetness on the front. And I think it has a light texture. And then it moves right into that sort of, that whiskey burn. Yeah, okay. What's the ABV on that? 45. 45, okay, so it's a little higher. They're typically released around 40, or most are, not all. Um, so then moving on to finish, um, this is really what's gonna stick with you. Um, when you think back on a whiskey, you're remembering the finish more than you're gonna remember the nose or the taste. It's kind of just what the overall impression was. Wow, there we go. My fault, my bad. Thanks. After swallowing, did the flavor change? Did the flavor hang out? Did it fade almost instantly? Uh, so was it like a short, a medium, or a long finish? And is there anything new at that point? You, I can't tell if you're concentrating or trying to suppress an inappropriate joke. What's happening over there? A little bit of both. There you go. <laughs> you want to tell <laughs> us about your swallow? No. <laughs> tell us, Paul. Well, tell us. Well, let me swallow again. Oh. <laughs> the jokes um, just write themselves. They do. Do, 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 do.
So when I swallow, you get a quick burn, lingers just a teeny bit, and then it dissipates. Okay, so it leaves pretty quickly. I think so. Compared to some other whiskeys I've had, yes. Okay. Which I think goes to sort of what I, I said to you, I think, before the show started that I think, or what I said during the show, I can't even remember, uh, that I think that this is a, what did I say, universally palatable experience. That was a very polite way of saying generic bourbon. Yes, I'm going to be like Moira Rose over here. That was, yeah. Universally palatable experience. Oh, that is definitely a Moira Rose. You are correct. Yeah. Um, So take into consideration when you're initially, ooh, uh, when you initially are smelling something, your nose is going to get used to the smell. It's going to change as you smell it more often. You'll go nose blind. You might pick up more things that you initially didn't smell. Uh, Same goes for taste. Your palate has multiple regions. So as you swallow and move something over your tongue, you'll start to pick up on different things depending on the region that it's passing over your tongue. An example with me is I hate, hate Cab Francs. Absolutely hate them. They taste like dirt and they make the front of my tongue taste like, like feel like sandpaper. And it's because of the different regions of your tongue are set up to taste different things. Um, so they recommend not doing too much reading until you've actually tasted the whiskey. This way you're not going to kind of develop a, a, a notion of what it should taste like before you actually taste it. So don't let the tasting notes impress upon you what you should be tasting, which I know we are both super guilty of sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I did do a little research. I didn't want to design a tasting because I think we can actually design something really cool by the end of this when we get through That's all the That's how we wrap whiskey. this mother up. Yeah. So I was initially I was like, oh, maybe I can give a few suggestions. But no, I think you have to wait till the end of the season and we're going to design a really fun tasting of American and American craft whiskeys by the end of the second season. Um, so when conducting a whole tasting, there's a few ways to go about it. Um, the easiest way is to go to a distillery and have the distiller walk you through their whiskeys and do a paid tasting. Um, it's a little harder now that we're in a global pandemic that still hasn't gone away. Valid. Yeah. If you do want to do a home tasting, there's a couple of different options out there. Uh, there's a f- bunch of companies, one of them being Flavier, that does tasting kits you can order. Um, and then you can conduct your own in-home tasting based off of the kit that they send you. And then there are also distilleries that will do virtual tastings. So you buy their tasting kit and then they'll schedule a time to actually walk through the tasting with you over like a Skype or a Zoom call, which I thought was really interesting. We should um, do one. I was really intrigued. I sent you one a couple of weeks ago, so we'll have to go back and revisit that. Did I ignore it? No, we had a whole conversation about it. Oh, well, I don't remember. (laughs) Uh, But if you do have a safe pod, so if you have some people that you're always kind of hanging out with and they're in your COVID bubble, uh, there are a couple of easy ways to do some of these tastings. So you can go about kind of ordering a tasting kit. That's one really easy way of doing it. If you want to design your own, you can always split the cost of bottles. So everyone participating in your pod or in your bubble can purchase a bottle or two, and then everyone has something to bring back to their bar. Um, But a couple of things I took away from an article that I'm going to link in show notes were as follows. So have someone to guide the tasting, i.e. you need to elect some head bitch in charge to actually kind of run the show. Um, Have snacks. That's you. That's That's probably you. Head bitch in charge. Stepford bitch right here. I'm, I'm on it. Um, have your snacks, crackers, chocolates, nuts, all great. Um, easy stuff to kind of go with whiskey tastings. Get your glassware sorted out. I always recommend a Glencairn glass because the fluted shape kind of keeps 
the whiskey where it should be and you don't i know you broke your glass we're yeah, working on it be nice if i had one but you could also use um, a white wine glass is another great shape because it's still pinched at the top so it doesn't let the whiskey evaporate as quickly as just a straight walled glass i'm gonna real, i'm gonna real with you I'm not bougie. Sorry, I'm not really bougie (laughs) enough to to have, and maybe this is my fault for not being bougie enough to have uh, a set of glasses for red wine and a set of glasses for white wine. I just got glasses. Okay. Well, this next bullet's for you then. Um, Have water accessible. If you don't have pipettes, straws will do. Oh, I did buy some straws. (laughs) I think I bought paper straws. I can't remember. That'll work because you can cut the straws and then you can put in drops of water with the straw. Um, Have coffee grounds, helps reset your nose. But again, if you don't have coffee grounds, you can actually use the inside of your elbow or the shoulder of your shirt to kind of reset your nose between tastings. It it works. Um, And then they also recommend skipping ice. This is not a judgment on using water in your whiskey. It is simply a recommendation not to use ice because the minute you chill something, you knock down the flavor. You're not gonna get as much from what you're actually tasting. Um, they even go as far as to say avoid heavy fragrances. So like, don't have your Yankee French vanilla candle lit while you're doing a whiskey tasting. What? I know, I know, try not to. Um, and then the tasting itself is really dependent upon your preferences. You can do something like an around the world tasting and have an Irish, a Japanese, a Scottish, Canadian, and an American whiskey, oh, or you can fun. stay, yeah. Or you can stay in the same type and range of a whiskey family. Um, an interesting one they suggested was whiskeys of the same age so all like try all 12 year but doesn't matter the region just try 12 year whiskeys which i thought was kind of interesting did they say anything about sort of mixing i was gonna say varietals i don't i don't have words today or know what my words mean varietals Um, a real world real world (laughs) it's a real world is it it's a real world after all you know what you should have just pour yourself (laughs) pour another um no a club soda (laughs) i think what i meant what i meant disifying just pour a scotch um what i meant is sort of like having a tasting that goes from like bourbon to rye to scotch so I or didn't see is anything it, about or that. whatever bourbon scotch to rye, whatever sort of combination. So there's only two things I can offer currently, and it's because I'm listening to I'm listening to a book right now on a pretty well known like whiskey enthusiast. She's considered an expert in the field, and what she talks about is whenever she's at a whiskey tasting, like a professional whiskey tasting, a she's typically not swallowing. She's not drinking because eventually she's going to lose. I know, I know, I know, not for you. Listen. So we'll get, we'll get past point one, which is she's spitting most of the whiskey out. I don't spit. Jokes just write themselves. Second, she always changes the order. When she's going through things, she'll actually take the order of the whiskey she's presented and she'll smell everything before she tastes anything. And then mm. she'll bounce back and forth between the different glasses and, t- and smell them in different orders. And then she'll do the same thing as she's tasting. She'll bounce back and forth between glasses and take small sips and taste in different orders. So she's getting things at different points as she moves through the whole tasting experience. So I would say don't finish the glass. I would say take a small sip, experience it, move on to the next so you're not dulling your taste buds. And also there's nothing wrong with kind of rinsing your mouth out with some water before you move on. Okay. Yeah. Um, I found a really simple tasting sheet on Pinterest. 
So I'll link that in show notes as well. It's just a kind of a really easy way to kind of like indicate color and write a few points down. And then I also found an interesting one on the American Bourbon Association's downloadables page. And they have a pretty cool tasting sheet that you can download as well and a couple of like PDF guides. So I'll link that in show notes too. I thought that was appropriate because we're going into American whiskeys next week. Sorry, I'm like punctuating the air with my pen. Yeah, stop poking at me. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I didn't want to recommend anything because that's kind of our end game at the end of season two. But yeah, so those are, uh, those are your takeaways for designing your own at-home whiskey tasting. Have fun with it. It doesn't matter if you can't buy five bottles. Go, go buy nips and try a couple of small little whiskeys. Uh, also, nips is a candy. That's what we call airline bottles. They're nips. No, but have you ever had the Nips candies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, my grandfather had bowls of them. Like, my grandmother the downstairs. loved them. Oh, yeah. My grandfather was known for always having candy hidden. So downstairs, there was the bowls of peanut M&Ms, peanut butter M&Ms, traditional M&Ms, Nips, and then spearmint leaves and the orange candies, the little like orange slicey things. Oh, those are good. All over the downstairs. And then if you went in the garage, in the back of the tool chest was bags of candies he got from CVS that he was hiding from my grandmother. <laughs> wonder, I love it. No, no wonder I was 240 pounds as a child. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I pause because I'm like mentally trying to picture this in my head. Look like a linebacker. I'll send you a photo later on. Oh my God, can you please? Can you post it on Instagram? Can I not? Can, can I not? Please? Can I, maybe, maybe it'll be in the story and I mean, we'll see how it goes. I would I never in my life, like I, I would give you mad praise if you did that. <laughs> we'll see Please. how many more I had my moments. I, I had my moments as a child where I was the opposite of skinny. So uh, I can relate. Yeah, so those are, those are my takeaways. Do you have anything you wanna add now that you've, you've tasted your whiskey a few times? Anything you so wanna- They're fabulous. Takeaways, and this is a great lesson, and I think we've learned many things. We did good. I think we did good here. Um, what I would say is that as I look at my notes and I take another sip, well, let me do a smell. It is sweet on the nose. It does remind me. It's sweet. I mean, I get the caramel. But I don't. It doesn't smell as much as caramel right now, but it's probably because I've had too much. <laughs> Obviously, you're not spitting. <laughs> I don't think I've ever spit my whiskey. Let me be clear, ladies and gentlemen. I have dumped wine. Well, yes, that's because it's wine. <laughs> uh, no, I love wine. Don't get me wrong. But uh, no, I, I think it's good. It's, it has a sweet caramel nose. It has a light, it's, it's sort of light in texture has a sweetness at the front and moves into the burn, as I described, that moves into the finish, which is a, uh, a moderate quick, uh, moderate intensity, relatively quick dissipating burn at the finish. Okay. Now, do you get any of the maple or any of the pecan at all when you're tasting it? Maybe, maybe. And maybe because I've had like 18 of them, I don't know. Because I've planted the um, thought. Because I drank like, too much um no um it does it, and maybe it's it's that like caramel pie like pecan pie maybe a little bit pecan pie that's what i'm thinking maybe it's because i'm also thinking about thanksgiving and pecan pie um i could see it i mean we've discussed this too right like 
everyone's palate's unique. So like how we interpret flavors is all individualized. So even though we have this glorious flavor wheel in this book, that's a bit obnoxious um, because it's too much and there's it's too small a print. Um, it's all personal. It is. It's, it's just like how I say every, not every episode, but how I said last episode that the Copper Fox to me, which I was drinking partially in the last episode, the, the scent of Copper Fox just reminds me of my grandmother's sweet teeth. Oh, well, we'll leave you with that because I'm reading these tasting notes and I think if folks are looking for a Thanksgiving themed bourbon, this might be what they want to gravitate towards for their Thanksgiving. But yeah, Redwood Empires, check it out. And we're going to see you after the holidays. And I hope everyone has a great, memorable, not so sober Thanksgiving. Yes, drink. Uh, all right. It's been good. It's been great. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>